Blog Talk Radio.
everybody. Welcome to the show. This is the Pop Rocks Radio Talk Show. I'm your host, pop art painter Jamie Rocks, and this is the big show. You found it. I sure I'm glad you did. Hey, before we get into things, I, um, I'm very, I'm so happy. Today is a good day. I, uh, folks, I'm going to tell you, any of you youngsters out there, you got your own place, you think you're really cool, maybe you got a pad or something like that, you know, I got to tell you, go to a garage sale, go to your Goodwill, wherever you can, go to your mom's house, she probably has one sitting in the attic or something, buy yourself a bread machine. I just made a loaf of bread earlier today, just finished before the uh, show here, and our whole house smells like fresh bread, and it is the best smell I think I've ever, I can still smell it here in the studio right now, it's amazing. So spend the three bucks on a bread machine, or you know, buy a new one, how about that, that's even better. Um, yeah, you want to get one. I'm telling you that's my, my, my life hack of the day. You will not regret it. The easiest thing in the world, you just dump everything in there, and there you go. Um, a couple hours later, you're happy. Um, very, very cool. Now, on to the seriousness, everybody. Uh, we, are talk- we have a filmmaker on today. She uh, wrote, directed, starred uh, in the, uh, the new movie, uh, Sapiosexual. Um, I watched this, uh, I think it was a, about a week and a half ago, um, but it has stuck with me. This is a film I really, really enjoyed. And our guest today, the woman behind it all, is Mrs. Deborah Twist. Deborah, hopefully I'm saying your name right. Twist, right? Yes, you are. You <laughs> hi. Okay. okay, hi. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I'm I'm a little starstruck, to be honest, because I finally get a chance to speak in, you know, well, not in person, but, you know, over the phone here, to the statuesque looker herself. Um, <laughs> you know, I read what Lisa uh, Nielsen at Variety said there. That's a pretty good quote. I would have that on my business cards. Of course, I'm very <laughs> short and kind of rotund, but nobody would believe it was said about me, but, hey, it's what a cool quote. That's on her website, everybody. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Deborah, I loved this film. I loved it. It's a fantastic wow. film. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm really glad you enjoyed it. That means so oh, much to yeah. me, really. Yeah, you know, and it was interesting because when I got the, uh, the press kit from um, the, the press packet, I guess they call it, from the fine folks over at October Coast. You know, I was reading through it, as you do. They come in, you know, I, I, I watch the uh, trailer. And, um, but before I even watched the trailer, you were taught, part of that was a, they included a quote of you that you had, and I've been putting this in all the stuff about how, um, you know, you were talking about the, the, a different perspective, the, the darker, a darker perspective of the Me Too movement. And, um, I think the quote was, as a young filmmaker slash actress in New York City in the 90s, uh, indie film scene, um, and this is you saying this, uh, I witnessed all sorts of wild situations. And uh, I was, you know, the mind, the gears turn after you read something like, well, what did you, what, you know, what, what happened? And <laughs> yeah. then I watched yeah. the trailer and I watched the film and I'm like, oh, this poor girl, this poor lady. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> met a couple of um, I can't remember his name I can't uh, I'll think of it in a second the uh, the antagonist of the film 
is um, Liam. Liam. Yeah. Uh, played by Nick Harden. Met a yep. couple Liams, did you? Back in the 90s? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, I mean, just like one Harvey Weinstein was one. Yeah, I mean, they mm. they were everywhere. And, you know, at the time, um, you know, there would be guys, there was one guy in particular um, who was interested in investing a million dollars in a film um, that I was trying to get off the ground. This was, like, around 97. And um, mm. he said, okay, well, come and meet me at, at my apartment in Tribeca, um, and we'll go out to dinner, and we'll talk about the movie. I said, okay, that's great. So I go to his apartment. I'm at the buzzer, and he says, okay, I'm not ready yet, but, you know, why don't you come on up? And I'm like, okay, sure. So I go up, penthouse. He opens the door, and he's standing there in a towel. And I, like, oh. actually roll my eyes. And he's like, look, I'm I'm sorry. I just, you know, I got back late, and, you know, I'm trying to get ready. But, you know, why don't you come on in? And I hesitate for a second, and I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. So I walk in, and... um He's like, okay, why don't you um, come back here? I want to show you. I just got a big new plasma screen TV. And this uh, is like when plasma screens first came out. Like, remember the, right. the first Sony, like 42 oh, inches, yeah. was 10 grand. And I'd never yeah, seen one before. <laughs> so I'm like, like yeah. okay, sure, I'll check out your TV. So I go in, and he sits down on the edge of the bed. He's like, here, why don't you just sit right here? And I sit like a foot and a half away from him. And he scoots over next to me, turns on the TV, and he puts his hand on my knee, and he's like, why don't we just order in? And I got, I was so pissed. And my face must have turned red because I wanted to punch him in the face. I stand up, mm. and I'm like, look, I'm going to wait for you downstairs. You get dressed, and we'll go out and get food. And I didn't even, I like, right. stormed out. He comes down the whole time, like, we're at dinner. He keeps trying to, like, you know, look into my eyes and do this whole thing. Right. Like way I'm talking about oh, the movie. Yeah. And he's like, I could just sit here and listen to you for hours. And I'm like, this guy is a real piece of work. And I, I'm so pissed. Then he's, and we finished the dinner finally. And he's like, come on, let's just go out for one drink. So we go to this bar. And, like, he keeps trying to put his arm around my waist and all this other stuff. I'm, I'm just so angry. Finally, I'm like, look, i got to go. I've, I've got to feed my cat. <laughs> we walk out and um he you know is trying to put me in a cab and i'm like you know what i'm just a couple blocks away i'm good and i just turn and i walk away and um mm. and then i spoke to him again and years later and there were countless things like that that happened in the 90s and um like even okay so here's a great story too um uh i was i'd gone to camp and um, the film that I was trying to get the million dollars for, I had Anuka May, this woman. I, I don't mm. know if you know who she is. Very famous uh, mm -hmm. French star. Um, yeah. And so after Cannes, I was going to meet with Anouk in France, in Paris because, you know, she was excited to play this role in this film. So, you know, I go and we're sitting there at dinner. At the table next to us is Harvey Weinstein and, like, five girls. They're all, like, blonde mm. and about 20 years old. Big puffed up lip, big fake boobs, right. all like cackling. And Anouk and I are laughing our butts off about how obvious this is, what these dumb girls are doing. And, and the right. fact that Harvey's so stupid, like how could he possibly think that this is real? So as we finish our dinner, Anouk is like, come on, I'm going to introduce you to him. So we go over and, you know, I she introduces me and he gets really close, like totally in my personal space, you know, 
generally when you meet somebody you don't know, a foot a foot of difference is like kind right. of the, the You don't norm. feel their breath on your face, right. Oh yeah. Well he gets six inches away. His oh, hand God. he's shaking my hand in between my boobs and mm. and like looking down at me and he's like, So nice to meet you and he's like all greasy and sweaty and I'm just like I look over at a nuke and she just bursts out laughing. And like I just shake my head and I'm like, Yeah, great to meet you too and so then There's not enough me, money. <laughs> and I'm like, Okay. So fast forward years later, um, when this whole Me Too thing comes out and I'm Macking myself upside the head. I'm like, so I was supposed to be. Is that you? Hmm. I don't hear anything. Can you hear me, Deborah? Hello. Oh, I think we might have lost her. I think we might have lost her, folks. Let's. Uh, you know, this is what the part of uh, live podcasting where I. Uh, oh yeah, here we go. Here we go, right here, and we'll cut all this out. And um, where there she is. Hey, well, you, uh, your uh, Anouk was burst out laughing, and you discovered the Me Too thing, and you said I was supposed to, and then that was it. Oh, okay. So when I when this whole Me Too thing came out, you know, I I was like, wait a second. I smacked myself on the side of the head. I'm like. I was supposed to actually have sex with these guys. <laughs> I could have been Avis. <laughs> and then I thought for a second, and I was like, "No, wait, no. I'm, I'm glad because I, I, it made me who I am. I'm strong. I'm a, right. I'm a fighter. I'll just keep moving forward. I don't need to like, you know, sleep with anybody. I don't want to. Only those who I do. And I would never. My, my whole philosophy is no regrets. So. You know, I I don't have any regrets. There's no one that I would look back and say, well, he made me do this. Like, nobody made me do anything ever. Because if they tried, I'd get up in their face and I'd say, what do you think you're doing, buddy? (laughs) And walk away. And people pay extra for that. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Oh, I got stories about that, too. (laughs) I'll tell you, the the Me Too thing, for for me personally, I was very shocked and surprised. I was one of these these brain dead people that didn't realize it was such. And it's funny. I, I you know at cocktail parties or whatever get togethers, I'll, I'll mention this, and every woman I know is like, "Are you insane?" Of course, we, that's what we live with every day. You know, we're we're women, and um, I'm like, no, didn't have a clue. Did, I mean, I knew that there were slimy guys around, and. Um, and and it it didn't surprise me, but I wasn't like a gas cl- clutching my pearls or whatnot. But what I, I you know um, what did draw me short is I was talking to my friend Petra about this, and we were talking about it, and I said, well, I'm just glad I you know I hope I've never come off that way. You know, I, I I'm not I don't view myself as that type of person. And she laughed and she said, Jamie, the only thing is you have a tendency, a bad habit of calling women gals, and that's not good. And I tell you, I'll tell you, Deborah, for a month really? after that. Really? Is that offensive? <laughs> I, I've I, never I, been offensive. I, I thought it I I didn't think it was either, but I, I'm like, okay, I can course correct. I wore a rubber band on my wrist, especially during the show, and if I ever... I would snap. I was giving myself negative reinforcements, not to use the word gal. I, I worked real hard on it, 
I slip up occasionally still. But, but then again, if that's my biggest thing. Crazy. Well, but yeah. then, okay, so then what's the other way? Because, you know, it's got to be even. It can't be only women being offended by everything. So are are men offended by a woman saying, you guys? No, I don't think so. I don't so think so. I'm not. Guys but I don't get offended in anything. If yeah, I judge I mean, you know, people who got too offended, I wouldn't have any friends. I, you know, and I, and I work in the art, you know. I mean, everybody's a weirdo in the art world. Um, I know. I mean, it's true. You know, in the best of ways, of course. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it's almost got a charm to it, you know. Oh yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, you know, Darren showed up dressed like a dog to the party. Oh, of course. Oh yes, he did. Hope somebody had some milk treats. I, you know, I don't know. Uh, milk bones, milk treats. What am I saying? Um, you know, that's the art world, but, uh, no, it's not that bad. Well, mostly, <laughs> um, but film, see the film world, because there's a little bit more, I think there's a lot more money involved in the film. So it just leads itself to weirdos, uh, on that level, you know, but yeah, you, I don't know. I thought Liam was played perfectly by, um, what was his name again? Nick? Nick um, Yeah. Nick Hardman played. He reminded me, and, and Nick, if you're listening or ever hear this, I don't want, I'm not trying to be offensive, but yeah, you kind of played that like the slimy old guy at a club, and you don't want to be that guy, folks, <laughs> ever. <laughs> but we've all seen him. We've all seen him. Oh, yeah. You know? But, and the greatest thing is that Nick Harden is the sweetest, most caring, <laughs> amazing human being. Like, he would, he would never behave the way this guy did. I mean, we'd get done with a scene, and he would start laughing. He'd be like, what a douche. <laughs> nice. nice. He's just, I just adore him so much. But that's also why I wanted him cast as Liam, because I felt so comfortable with him. And I just adore him so much. He's such a wonderful human being. And, I, I, I mean, he's, he couldn't. He's the only person that I wanted for that role. And we were actually going to shoot in February of 2022. We ended up shooting in April. But when I first mm. uh, wanted to film, Nick wasn't available. So we did this whole thing where I put, like, we put out a casting notice. We did auditions. And there was, it came down to this one guy. And then the one guy was talking about how um, he had to have his girlfriend approve the script before he was allowed to oh my gosh. and I was Jeez like and then he was very concerned about how much nudity there might be and whether or not he'd have to like touch my boobs and stuff like that and I was like oh please I can't I can't do this please let me just get like Nick <laughs> and so I um at that point it was the end of March and I called Nick and I said Nick are you still busy are you still on that play and he said no hon I'm, I'm here I'm in New York and you know, I'm here for another, like, 10 days, two weeks. What do you got going on? And I said, that movie, I need you. <laughs> and and <laughs> three days later, he was on set banging it out. And, I mean, I, I'm so grateful because he, there's nobody else that could have pulled it off that I felt so comfortable with that didn't, you know, have to get approval from his girlfriend or, oh, you know, get gosh. some sort of, like, intimacy coordinator to make sure he didn't feel like he was being, um, I don't know. Abused. Weird. That's <laughs> yeah. a weird deal. 
Oh, my God. Oh. Well, folks, there's, there's proof. My wife will be so happy um, that I'm saying this. Um, Deborah manifested the shit out of that and made that happen. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> the yeah. power of positive thinking. <laughs> yeah. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It's, you know, my hat, I've never made a movie. I've, I've since doing the podcast, we've been doing this, I don't know, 10 years or something now. Um, you know, I, I've made all these friends that are in indie filmmakers and whatnot. My hat definitely goes off to you guys because, and, and gals and ladies, um, I'm going to have to snap my this rubber band again. Um, <laughs> no, because you guys chose the hard art, you know, me, I have an idea for something. I, you know, it might take up a couple days, you know, figuring it out. But you just knock it out on a canvas and boom, you know, there you go. The, the hard part's done. Now you just got to sell it. Um, not a big deal, you know. Uh, but making a film, I mean, you got to coordinate all these people. You got to get the money to do it, where you're going to film, you know, all this stuff. And sometimes it takes years to knock one of these out, you know. And I, I just, oh, I'm amazed that it happens. <laughs> I'm frankly amazed after finding all this out that I can turn on the television and have and be entertained and have something come out out of it at me, you know, because there's a lot to all this behind the scenes. I don't think a lot of people realize. No, and and this is the thing. I mean, it really. The one thing that I've come to because I've been doing this since I was like 19. My first film was a gun. Okay, so for two years. So, <laughs> you know, a long time. So the thing that I've found, because, you know, I act, I write, produce, all these different things. So I have these different paths that are in my artistic heart. And mm-hmm. I will pursue one thing. And then if I start coming up against roadblocks, I'm like, okay, well, the universe apparently needs me to, you know, pivot and look at this other thing. So then I'll pivot and I'll play out the other thing. And sure enough, that's where something will pop. And then I can, you know, reach the dead end with that, pivot back to like the other thing. And then that starts to germinate. So there's like these different parts that, that are born constantly, but it's this game of seeing, okay, well, how far does this energy want to go with this? I know this sounds really crazy. And I sound like total California granola crunching meditation girl but i live in jersey <laughs> but seriously <laughs> this is how the stuff happens and so you know when when something hits a dead end i stop and i withdraw and i'm like okay well the time is not right for that for whatever reason the universe is trying to stop me just like you know i i wasn't supposed to make sapiosexual with that other guy it was supposed to be with nick and that's why the right. audition process took so long, and then it ended up being, okay, well, this, this is the right one, and then everything worked. And that's how everything seems to happen. So I find it's easy. Like, if, if everything, all the parts have to click into place like a machine, and then when all the pieces are in place, it's completely go time, and it'll happen mm. very quickly. And if anything is not in alignment, it just won't happen. And if you try to push it, it might happen, but it will be a disaster. Right. Right. And well, it's that it's, way. I've, I've, it I've, worked. I've, I've, it did. It worked so much for this 
because this was the film that was meant to be done right now the way it was. It's crazy. And this was an amazing film. Now, it's out, right? People can watch this yep. now. I mean, it is out and about and um, amazing, amazing. Let me ask you real quick. Um, I know that a lot of uh, – there's usually two ways this will go. Um, when, when making independent films, people will, you know, beg, borrow, and steal or do Kickstarters or whatever they got to do, um, make their film and realize they need another few thousand dollars to submit it to all these film festivals. And um, then they do that, and then they get somebody sees it, the right person, and they pick up distribution um, that way. The other way I've heard is somebody has a relationship with a company or whatnot, a distributing company, and the distributing company says, yeah, uh, you know, we want a thriller with blah, blah, blah. Here's a check. Get to work. Um, how did it go with Saposexual and Breaking Glass uh, pictures? Because they seem really yeah. good, you know. I love them. I, Rich Wolf is my, my, like, I don't know. <laughs> He's like my guardian angel of film right now. He's distributed mm. several of my projects. And I had suffered um, a tragic loss of a movie that was supposed to happen in 2021. And it was supposed to be mm. named. Lots of money. We were, set, we were in New Mexico, ready to film. And um, we look at the TV and we're like, oh, look, there's the chapel we're filming in five days. And then we see this thing at the bottom saying that Alec Baldwin just shot two people on the set of Oh, Rock. And yeah. we're like, oh, no. And that following two or three weeks, all of our investors pulled out. All these people that we'd already brought to New Mexico to be in the film or be part of it started, like, doing all these lawsuits because I was named a producer, even though I never had like access to the money or hands to the bank accounts, I was like, I was named in all these lawsuits as like the person who screwed over all these people. And I mean, mm. it was, it was horrible. People were texting me um, through Facebook messenger telling me that I had no right to be in the business. It's a good thing that oh. I have animals because no human being could possibly ever like me or care about me. I, oh I, I deserve to, like, they were telling me I should commit suicide after what I oh done to all these people. It's like, I've not done anything to anyone. It was a, it was a disaster. Right. So I finally, I got back home, and um, Rich Wolf, that, that was November, December, Rich Wolf got in touch with me. And, and you know, I was, I was in the, one of the darkest places. Like, 2021 through present, there's been so many things that went sideways. I can't even, oh, yeah. I'm not going to talk about that. And then a pandemic but, on top of that. Well, that <laughs> was prior. The pandemic was easy oh. in comparison to half this crap. But, um, <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Um, so in December of 21, uh, Rich got in touch with me. He's like, Deb, um, I have an idea. And I'm like, what? <laughs> he's like, how would you like to make a movie? And I'm like, why? <laughs> and he's like, no, I know. He's like, you do these erotic thrillers so great. Can you do you have something you can do for it? And then he named the budget, and I was like, "Well, actually, I do, I do, mm. and I can I can finish the script. Give me a couple weeks." So immediately, I had like a focus, and I was like, "Okay, could I do this film in that amount in like with this budget?" And I thought, you know, with all this chaos and the apocalypse going on around me, the best thing I could possibly do 
is sink myself into something where I am the writer, the producer, the director, the the lead, right. the person buying craft Work. service at Costco, the one driving actors around, like just everything, just totally dive into the deep end of the pool and don't come up until I really need air. And that, I, and that was the thing that saved me from the disaster that was going on around me. Rich Wolf, I credit with saving my life in like December yeah, of 21. Through, yeah. And, you know, um, we said so we shot in March, April, like uh, five days. It was like a couple days in March and then the first couple days of April. And then the rest of it was post-production. We would have been done a lot earlier, but we we had a big problem with um, the sound mix guys, and we lost three months. This would have been out way mm. Um But literally, I mean, it's like out in, you know, a, a little over a year from when we shot. And that is wow. absolutely remarkable in the, in the indie film world. And, um, oh, yeah. And... I think Rich Wolf did, his team did an incredible job with the trailer, um, the poster. I, I have a, a wonderful guy, Robert Butcher. He's this Australian photographer who's just the coolest guy in the world. I just, I adore him. And um, he actually shot Penthouse back in the 70s in Australia. I mean, he was like so nice. good. So, I, uh, we hired him to do the, um, the ad campaign for Shapio, and I, I just love the way that turned out. I mean, it is, he did such an amazing job. This guy paints with light and, and effortlessly. Nice. I mean, that was a 90-minute yeah, photo shoot we did. The it's a great poster. Yeah, yeah. Robert Blister. <laughs> I start posting the thing, and I start getting emails from people. What's the what are yeah. you what what is this what is it and I'm like yep. well it it it's uh, an upcoming movie and it's uh, you know I'm I'm like it's doing its job you're emailing me <laughs> it got your attention you know <laughs> uh, yeah I think this is fantastic you know but then yeah. again I, you know my day job I'm a painter I, we look for that we we like how can we replicate that. And get that type of uh, response, you know. We live for yeah. that. Um, everybody's like, "Ah, you painted another uh, pretty picture. Great. Uh, next, <laughs> you know, oh, it's hard to get away from that." But um, no, this was fantastic, and and it fits. It fits the film. It fits the yeah. film. Um, yeah. it, it's so good. It's so good. Hey, you know, we mentioned Nick. I got to say, um, whoever played, well, let me look here. Let me look on IMDb. Freddie. David Edwin. Or Freddie. David Edwin. David. Amazing. Oh, man. Oh, man. I know a couple of uh, people that reminded me of the character of Freddie. Um, you know, <laughs> through it. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Played it great. Played he's, it great. He's a fabulous actor. And, and he was, it was great, too, because, and it's so funny. Like in the, he definitely auditioned for the role. I had a lot of Freddies that I saw, but he was the best. And I thought, you know, he just looked perfect and everything. I didn't realize he was a model. I would have never. I don't cast. I I just don't cast people that are under that heading model. But it turned out he's just really a great actor, and he's really deep. And then he turned out to have this insane body. So it was like, wow, this really works for the film. 
No, absolutely. Absolutely. So, that, yeah, it, it all worked together really well. And, uh, he, yeah, that, his we got lucky on it. And, and him as an actor is the guy, you say you're at a party, you know, you're pretty cool. You're doing all right at the party. And then this cat walks in. You're done. You're done. No one's going to be talking to you. <laughs> that's, that's the vibe. Um, and not in a bad way. And I'm like, oh, all this. When he, they first showed him, I'm like, all this guy needs, because he's in the car or something, uh, you know, trying to work, screw up the courage to, to go to this, uh, gather this, this date meeting, whatever you want to call it. And um, I'm like, all this guy needs is a British accent. And then he starts talking, and I'm like, oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it was British. Exactly. You know, I'm like, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Check and mate. Let me grab my hat as I leave the party. Oh, my God. Um, you know? No, it's, it's really fun. Impressed. And Oh, the three of us had a good time, too. And and it was really funny. Oh, yeah, funny I saw. No, I <laughs> Well, the, the set scene originally we had on these, um, and I got to show you the picture at some point. I think it's on my Instagram. We had cream-colored super suits, so that oh, like okay. from and, and, which I bought when I first thought I'd have to have that guy whose girlfriend didn't want him touching any other humans or whatever. <laughs> so I bought these like Teletubby outfits, and uh, so we were in these weird Teletubby outfits, so we wouldn't be any skin-to-skin kind of contact. And uh, right. and we just laughed our butts off. I mean, we could not we could not oh. take it seriously. So then we got rid of the super suits, and we were just like, "Look, we're comfortable. Who cares? Like we've all yeah, been like naked and things. You know, Nick has performed naked on stage. Um, and right. Dave did like you know nude shoots. I've done nude shoots and nude things in movies. I don't care. It's just like let's just get the shot, make it look really good, and get rid of these." Teletubby suits. So, yeah, but if on my Instagram you'll see the <laughs> Teletubby oh, shot. That's funny. We were having we were having a glass of wine. We were just laughing because they were so funny. They were just ridiculous. Well, you know, and it's it's interesting because you know you never think about that. I I, I guess people do that, and and when you watch movies or television shows or stuff, you know, I I never even thought about that. I just I just assumed everybody was pretty freewheeling, you know. California, no. After all, you know, not all. You know, with with the Me Too thing, with like, you know, intimacy coordinators. Oh my gosh, I I had an encounter with an intimacy coordinator. It was awful. And I can't believe that's a job. Oh well, they created the job because they wanted to like be able to make bank off the Me Too movement and off um, trying to make people that were willing to be naked on screen feel like they should be ashamed of being naked on screen. And so then by creating the shame, they make the need for their own job because there's no way then for a director, apparently from what they're trying to sell, um, to speak to actors. It's just, it's so, it's just another con job and it really, it pisses me off. And I'm sure like people are going to whine and complain that I've said that, but it's like, look, if you don't want to do a new scene, don't do a new scene. But if you're going to do right. one, don't make it into this, like, you know, head trip, all this other crap. Like, just move on. There's plenty of other right. roles available that don't require it. There's people that are willing to do it that aren't going to be a whiny little baby. 
You know, it's so funny. It reminds me. When I first uh, I went to school in Boston, I grew up in Detroit, went to school in Boston. It was very cold in Boston and very snowy. And so when I graduated, I said, I want the exact opposite of this. Get me the hell out of here. And I moved to San Diego um, in Southern California. Lived out there for about 10 years. But when I was living out there, um, for some reason, I don't know how it happened, but I met all these people that were uh, that shot pornography or were in pornography films or what have you, and um, I knew a lot of these people, and and, and you know whatever, uh, you know that's what how they made their their bought their bread, you know that's how they made their living, and um, and again, like I said, I don't judge anybody, um, but the thing to this day about oh three or four times a month I will get an email, a random email from somebody that I don't know. Um, or a direct message, my wife tells me they're called, uh, sometimes it's email, actual email. And uh, they're like, hey, is that your painting we saw in this in this pornography film? A bunch, I mean, it happens a couple times a month. And I'm like, well, then I'll look, or they'll take a screenshot or something. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I painted that. And they're like, well, you know, do you need to get a hold of these people? You know, here's the, uh, the distributor. I, I'm like, no. No, I don't. I said, my biggest question on this is why the hell are you noticing the painting on the wall when this other stuff is happening in front of you? What is wrong with you, you know? Um, That's so funny. You know, give me a break. Uh, But, yeah, you know, it it amazes me how sensitive. You know, your story with this guy's wife reminds me of, I was at a party and I met some uh, some people and, and then, I don't know, I went to their house to watch a movie or something. And, and it wasn't a weird thing. Like, like everybody put you, pull back where your mind's going. It, did, it was weird, but it wasn't like that. Um, but we were over there, we put the movie on and there was a woman uh, had come on in a scene and she was topless. And the couple, the guy was fine with it. His wife, the the female of the couple, freaked out, man. And she, like, fast-forwarded the movie past this because she didn't want her husband seeing that or something. And I'm like, oh, you're jealous of a movie? And I didn't hang out with them again because they, they were just a little too uptight for me. <laughs> you know? Oh, but yeah, that's, like that that's not going to go well. <laughs> yeah. I don't want, and I don't want to be around it when it doesn't, <laughs> you know? Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, right? No, thank you. Check, please. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Wow. So back to your your film. Now, this is, I was looking at your IMDb. You've worked a lot. You've done a lot of stuff here. This is amazing. Now, you had mentioned before that you usually have several projects in thought or in action, or both going at the same time? Yeah. Are the, oh, yeah, in different are the gears, stages. Yeah, yeah. Are the gears turning for this, the next project? And I don't want to take away from uh, Sapiosexual, because I want everybody to watch oh, yeah. it. But I want to see well, more of your work. Later, Well, actually, right now on Tubi is um, the director's cut of my horror film, Sebastian, which is actually based oh. on a real haunting a real haunting that happened in our um, brownstone that we lived in in Brooklyn. And my actual children play my children in it. And it's with Eric Roberts plays my older husband, Kathy Moriarty. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of good people. Um, So yeah, Sebastian, 
And then um, I have um, A Gun for Jennifer also is on Tubi right now. That's nice. the first movie I ever made. Um, and also uh, later, I think this summer, my uh, the first season of my show Crazy Town is coming out. It's seven episodes, 30 minutes each. And it's about the my experiences of dancing, stripping in the 90s. Really? And basically... Well, I that's how, I mean, I went to New York to be an actress, like, studied at NYU, right. did the usual thing. I was a nanny, did waitressing. I got fired one summer from a waitressing job. The guy I was with at the time was like, yeah, I think, you know, you should go be a stripper. That'll be good. And, you know, you could have flexibility, and it would be really hot to have a stripper girlfriend. I'm like, okay, well, I'll do it for, like, a year or two, and that's it. Anyway, it's hot that for the week they years. stay with you. Then they always leave. Well, <laughs> well but the problem is, um, I wanted to stop after a year and a half, two years, but then it was uh, like, he was like, well, why don't you just keep doing that? And I'll sit and I'll write, I'll script scripts and I'll edit our movies and blah, blah, blah. And you could just make all uh, the money. And like, so yeah, but the thing is like, I'd seen so many movies with strip clubs to trade and strippers uh, over the years. Right. And it's always told from a man's perspective. And I'm like, that's so not accurate. That's not how these women talk. That's not how they behave. That's not what really right. goes on. So I thought, you know what? I'm Screw it. I'm going to make a show about, you know, the funny, crazy, wild ride that is really going on inside strip clubs. And that's what I did. And I did it kind of along the lines of um, – I didn't know it at the time because we shot this back in 2019. Um, like Barry, you know, the show Barry, it mm-hmm, has a vibe mm-hmm. very much like that. Like it's kind of funny, but it's kind of dark, but it's kind of twisted, but like there's all kinds of weird shit going on. And uh, yeah, so that's coming out soon uh, with nice. Breaking Glass, probably on Tubi. And then also I've got this film that I'm writing right now, a really crazy erotic thriller vampire film called release um right. and then i have another film that i'm ready to film and hopefully if things go the way i want them to i'm going to film it in august after i get my kids back off to college um and that's called broken and it actually yeah. is told kind of like the way memento is like it opens with these two people on the floor in a foyer um, the one, the guy looks like he's dead. The woman is starting to gain consciousness, and the house is being robbed. And oh, the wow. woman lays there, and she's just trying to put back together how she got where she is because she can't remember. Reverse engineer, right? Amazing. Yeah. So yeah, and I'm I'm really looking forward to that because that's a really and that actually has a lot of the crap that I went through on that disaster film. That got that failed in 2021 mm. um, in New Mexico. It's called Trailblazers, and it even it, like these weird people put up a fake IMDb page for it. That's like, oh, I mean, it's it's insane. It's like it's so insane. But I get my revenge and broken big time. Oh, it's wonderful. There you go. I'm really, I really want to make this film. Like, uh, if I could, I'd shoot it next week. Oh, that's awesome. Deborah, yeah, I, I have a stripper it. story that I have to tell you. I, uh, I oh, myself. Tell, tell. <laughs> well, when I was a kid, I, um, I, was, I was 17. I'll never forget it. I was living in uh, Detroit, and some friends that I knew uh, took me to my first strip club. It was a bar on Woodward Avenue called Cantaloupes. Um, that was the real name of the place. 
And, oh, gosh. Um, Awful. <laughs> you know, and it was the it was the 80s. I'm a certain age, you know. And I, you know, rolled in there uh, thinking I was the sixth member of Duran Duran or something. And uh, but everybody loved me. All the girls working in there, the women working, they, they just loved me. Made friends with a bunch of people. Long story short, before I knew it, I was the new DJ at Cantaloupe. I got a job at 17 years old working as a strip club DJ. Had I ever DJed before? No, but I played plenty of music for my friends, so how hard could it be, you know? And oh I'm my gosh, working that's in crazy. With beautiful women, you know, wearing outfits and or not wearing outfits, uh, you know, it wasn't a bad gig for a 17-year-old kid, you know? Um, the world's worst strip club DJ ever. Um, I was trying to impress all these women. So I'm like, yeah, let me put on some um, obscure Depeche Mode seven-minute remix. And they're like, Jamie, what are you doing, man? We can't, you can't play a seven-minute song. We're trying to do a lap dance here. Two minutes, Jamie, two minutes. That's it. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. You're working us to death. (laughs) Yeah, it it, it didn't last long. I worked there, I don't know, six months. It was, it was crazy, but yeah, yeah, that's, I want to see that show. I love that world. I remember it fondly. Um, well, we had a guy die one night. It. We had a guy have a heart attack. An old guy came in, was watching a woman see. dance and keeled over. It was crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, there's, there's a million, and I mean, I'm ready to also if the first season goes well, I'm ready for season two. It gets really crazy. It's really fun. And, um, really? But, yeah, it's, it's so I, I hope it goes. I, I mean, who knows? It, everything you know, is a gamble. When you're doing, you're shopping a series and whatnot, um, I mean, is that that's totally different than doing shopping a, a movie, right? Like, hey, uh, why don't you distribute my movie? Is that a harder sell? A television show? Yeah, it is, but I mean, I'm I'm very close with you know Breaking Glass, nice. so they're cool. They they're they're really cool. You know, if anything, hey, they rolled down, in when you were down. You know, that says a lot. Well, That's to me, something like that happens to me in business. I will follow that person to the ends of the earth. You know, it's like, uh, oh, yes, you believed absolutely. in me when everybody else wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> you know? No, you I got mean, a ride or die now. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Rich Wolf is, you know, he's in Cannes right now. And generally, we tend to talk about three or four times a week. And, you know, because he's busy and we're on a, you know, six-hour time difference, we don't, we haven't been speaking much last week. And I'm, like, literally, like, wait, I need my Rich time, <laughs> you know? It's like a he's, like, my, yeah. my buddy and, and, like, you know, we just talk about movie stuff and He's really into music, and he he did all this crazy stuff in music back in the 90s. I mean, the guy's really incredible. And, you know, he's had such a a vast career. And, I mean, I just just feel so lucky. And, I mean, I guess I met him in 2013 when he first took on my film, A Cry From Within, Um, and which then the, the director's cut is called Sebastian, which was the original title. And it has all mm. the original scenes. Um, so don't watch A Cry From Within. Watch Sebastian. It's a sexier, better okay. movie by far. Um, but, like, you know, uh, it just it just clicked. Like, some people you click with. 
And from the beginning of my filmmaking career, I wanted to have some sort of relationship with a distribution company. And, you oh, know, smart. I yeah. talked to, well, but I mean, you know, back in the 90s, it was the fantasy of like Miramax or October Films or maybe even Strand. And right. um, what it, you know, it just evolved into being, you know, Rich and his company and, you know, his amazing girlfriend, Susan. And I mean, they're just, they're great people. And they're so supportive of my ideas and everything. I mean, it's it's the best. I mean, they feel like family. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, it's so cool. Yeah. It is so cool when you do find the connection like that in whatever business it is. Folks, I don't care if you're, if you're baking bread or making movies or painting paint, whatever it is. When you find people that get where you're coming from, <laughs> it is so... I mean, you want to sing to the heavens or something, you know, it, it is, because that yeah. is the typical how it normally goes, you know, and it's uh, it's fantastic, you know. I'm so happy for you as a person that you found that, you know, because I, uh, I as an artist, I I get it. <laughs> I know what that means. Well, I mean, you think know? about it. Isn't isn't life all just about finding your people? Absolutely. Absolutely. In whatever capacity, whether it's a mate, a friend, you know, the people you work with, like the people that you surround yourself with, you you want to like, you know, have your people, your your you know, entourage, your 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 family that you've created after you've grown up that are like, you know, that's your safety net, the people you trust. And I really think that that's that is like the deepest meaning of life, really. That's what we're all trying to do. That's why we do all the things we do. And I think even if you look at people's characters, you know, privately, not even inside movies, everyone's just trying to find their their people. Absolutely. That's all they're trying to do. It's pretty sweet and simple. A lot of truth in that, folks. A lot of truth in that. And, you know, it's... uh, yeah, you know, believe me, believe me, as a painter, I have painted many paintings that I thought, well, this is the one in a hundred years. I'll be on Antiques Roadshow for this. Um, you know, this is going to change art. Uh, <laughs> and it flopped terribly, you know, but at least my, at least my tribe, my gang, they all look and go, yeah, that's pretty good. I like it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that gets you through the morning sometimes, man. See, I don't, I don't stay awake things don't keep me awake at night. It's the morning <laughs> for me when I wake up going, Oh God, I don't want to do it again. <laughs> but I didn't have to because I've got that gang. I'm like, eh, you know, they, they believe yep. in me. So I better start yeah. doing it too. And uh, yeah. yeah and as long as we can always like wake up and the first, if the first thing you think about is how much you appreciate your people, mm-hmm. it gets you, It'll get you through the day. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Now you have you mentioned to me, and I have to I have to bring this up. Uh, before we went on the air, you 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 had mentioned to me a little bit of your private life. You have eleven dogs. I have one, yes. and I'm amazed at that. And rescues and and all sorts of stuff. How do you do yeah. it, Deborah? How do you do it? I, and two kids in college, so you're taking care of all this stuff. You know, yeah, a lot, lot of, of dogs. Yeah, but wow. I feel like 
this is the life that I wanted since I was three. I wanted to be a filmmaker, actor. I wanted to have kids, and I wanted to have a bunch of little animals everywhere. And and also live close to the city, which I'm 12 miles from Manhattan. So I, I did it. I got nice. all those things. And, you know, yeah, it's a lot of work taking care of all the animals. The kids, you know, now that they're 19 and 20, um, they're pretty easy. <laughs> but they still like, you know, mommy food. So mommy still makes yep. the food for them and the coffee for them and whatever. But yep. um I, and all my dogs are tiny. They're all like little Chihuahua mixes. And oh, you've got the, of course, you're a movie star. You've got the little purse dogs. <laughs> I got gotcha. yeah, you. I got gotcha. you. I, I mean, I've actually been looking because there's, um, my daughter goes to school in San Diego. It's funny that you mentioned San Diego. She goes to school out there. Huh? And she really wants me to travel and, and hang out out there with her. And I told her, you know, <laughs> I'm going to have to get a travel van to put all the dogs right. in, and then I'll drive across country, which I would love yeah, to do. Yeah, but it would be so fun with all my guys. Like, well, we yeah. could have, and I could do, like, a little documentary along the way and, you know, show, like, pictures of <laughs> my buddy. Yeah. I mean, it would be such a fun. We would Ooh. have a party. We would have a party, oh, me my. and my dog. And then I've got we, a um, cat. So I'd have to bring a couple of the cats. Like, I've got a blind Maine Coon that I couldn't leave oh, behind. Yeah. But most of the rest, I could probably um, just get somebody to come and cat sit because cats and vans don't seem to travel well. No, no. And cats no. are easy to, to cat sit, you know. Yeah. When I moved to yeah. – when I got accepted to school and I moved from Detroit to, to Boston, um, went with my friend. She moved out there with me. And she had two cats. And we tried, you know, we drove. It wasn't that long. I don't know, 16 hours or something. But we, you know, we didn't know much. We were kids. We were young. And um, we tried to put leashes on the cats so we could stop along the way so they could potty. And, of course, the cats got out of the leashes. And I remember going through this cornfield in upstate New York at, like, 2 in the morning <laughs> trying to find oh my these cats. <laughs> I did. Eventually. I couldn't, I can't believe that. Um, but now that I look back on it, but yeah, it happened. It happened. And, uh, you got them back now? Oh yeah. Yeah. We, as a matter of fact, she's still had, no, she doesn't, no, it can't be uh, too much time has passed. I'm going to say if those cats are still hanging out, something's afoot there. Something's amiss. Um, but no, that was a long time. Yeah. Uh, oh man. That was, that was in, that was when you were getting chased around the room. In uh, in the nineties, you know, by uh, creeps. Same time period. Wow. That was a long time ago. <laughs> you know. Wow. <laughs> Doesn't seem like it. I heard a song on the radio the other day. I was in the car with my wife, and I'm like, "Wow, they redid this Fat Boy Slim song. They redid it." And then I started thinking, "I'm like, well, it's been 20 years since it's been out, and it freaked me out. I'm like, how did that happen? Did I go through a time portal?" How has it been 20 years? Oh, doesn't it feel weird? Like it does, you know, when I, when I think back to the 90s and I think 20 years prior to that, like that was like the disco era. And that right. seems like so much longer ago yeah. from the 90s than now does from the 90s, right? Oh, like, yeah. I mean, I, and oh man, I, I grew up in the 70s, and I hated the culture, the music, the clothes, 
<laughs> the thing that a lot of people don't realize about the 70s, they they over-glamorize it because they're, oh. they just see the highlights of it. The 90s oh, it or the 70s lovely. had so much orange and brown and tan in it. That, I mean, that was the colors, you know, of that decade. And that and, awful olive green. That Remember that yeah, muted olive that muted green? green. <laughs> yeah. like like why? Just why? Yeah. <laughs> and, like, weird yeah. swinger parties. Parents oh. would have, like, weird... Yeah, the key parties. Oh, man. I get that weird. when I'm a, I'm a child of the 80s, and I get young people all the time are like, oh, the 80s. Were, I'm like, man, you think all the 80s were Nagel paintings and Duran Duran. It wasn't. There was a lot of air supply in that. <laughs> it was terrible yeah. at the time. I, was meant, I think I was supposed to have been born in 1991, honestly. Yeah, That's the 90s were pretty I, good. Yeah, the nineties finally let their hair down. You know, it I, wasn't as I liked uptight the nineties a lot. That was, I think, mm-hmm. the, yeah, yeah. I like the nineties a lot. Well, I like a lot of things about the nineties, not all of it, but I like the culture. <laughs> not getting chased around. <laughs> not stripping. Well, I, well, I, <laughs> Maybe you enjoyed stripping. stripping. I don't know. Yeah. No, I didn't. But I did enjoy um, going to film festivals. It's when film festivals were actually fun. Like, I don't know if you noticed, but I did not even try to deal with sexual on film festivals. Because I'm like, really? I don't want to do, like, the, you know, Joey's Bar restaurant on the Lower East Side basement film festival. And, you know, 33rd Street Side Film Festival. And, you know, all these, like, everywhere you turn, there's another shitty film festival where there's people... They're just trying to, like, make money off filmmakers submitting their stuff. Mm. And it's just, I mean, there's no purpose. Distributors don't go to these film festivals. Distributors go to Cannes, Sundance, Toronto, Venice. That's it. Like, if you're not it's just not worth it. It it costs money. And the ante to get to sit at that card table is so expensive. People don't realize, you know, like, oh, take your film to Sundance. I'm like... You know, what, what is the entry on that $45,000 or something insane, you know? Well, no, they, they made the movie for 70000 It's 120000 you know, to get a film to Sundance. Oh but, like, you better have something that is ridiculously groundbreaking or have already right. been in Sundance several times since the 90s. Like, there's right. nothing in between. And it's just kind of crazy it's just it doesn't like so i just you know even um when we got done um rich was asking he's like okay so do you want to what festivals do you want to go to i'm like i don't want festivals like why why are we going to show people for free just put it out on streaming i don't care Mm -hmm. it doesn't you know we didn't spend a lot of money on the titles the the great thing about sapiosexual is the title's enough to get your eye to to go to that you know, you're like, oh, what the hell is this? You know, ah, let me uh, let me check this out. I hope. I, I do yeah, hope I think, so. I do. Yeah. I think I so. Think, uh, and all the weirdos that listen to my show are going to be watching it. So uh, you hear that, awesome. weirdos out there. You got to yeah, definitely check this out. Yeah, there is a sex scene. There's, there are a couple sex scenes. So you get you Oh, get, there yeah, are. Actually, actually there's, there's a good deal of nudity. I forgot about there, there, the, uh, well, the shower scene. Too. Yeah, and the sh- and and for a few of the weirdos that listen to my show, 
She's got some killer boots she wears, folks. She's got some killer boots at the beginning of the movie. Matter of fact, she doesn't want to leave without them. <laughs> She's just going to grab them. I remember that. Um, <laughs> and I got to tell you a little something. Those boots I bought in New Mexico on that horrible suit. Oh, man. Well, they were made for walking. See, there you go. Yep. There yep, you exactly. go. I hope yep. everybody sees those and uh, they were giving you a hard time. And cry. You know, people are crazy. It, it, oh, man. Deborah, we will talk off mic sometime. I'll tell you some of my old uh, – <laughs> I've been where you're at. I've been where you're at. Totally different, but the same. <laughs> wow. You know? Yeah. Well, you know, when things happen, things happen in business sometimes that you don't have any control over. But, man, people, they want to blame somebody, you know. They uh, do. They, yeah. and, they, and, and there's that whole mob mentality where they get out their pitchforks and their torches, and it's just like oh, yeah. kill, kill. <laughs> it's like they don't even have any brain anymore. They're, they've become zombies, you know. It's like oh, a, a mass of flesh. Ambling down the street. Well, and the, you know, the, the key to that, I, I had an old friend when I was going through mine that, that gave me some great advice, this old gay guy I knew from uh, Portland, Maine, and he told me, he said, you know, don't be long-faced, just fly so high above them that, you know, they're under your radar, you know, that you don't even acknowledge it. And he was right. Revenge, that's yeah. the best revenge. Think about isn't isn't like creating the best medicine for almost anything, any trauma, Mm -hmm. tragedy, any frustration. Like create if you can, you know, if you can make a film, make a film. If you can just write a script, write a script. If you can paint a painting, paint a painting. If all you have is paper, draw, sing, do something, do something creative to like you know have have some sort of form of expression that saves you from yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. People look at my website all the time. They'll look at it uh, and they're like, man, 2015, you, you did like 300 paintings that year. I'm like, yeah, that's wow. the year my father passed. <laughs> you know, I said, I, yeah. I was keeping busy, <laughs> you know, because um, I found, you know, Having an anxiety attack, yeah, you know, if you can, I'm not saying there's any shame to that, but it's just not as productive as as working, throwing yourself into your passion, you know, uh, or a passion project, you know, you can get things done. You can get things done, baby. It's amazing. And you definitely have gotten things things done. You're doing all these projects, Sapiosexual, a fantastic film. I definitely want everybody to watch it. It's out um, on uh, Video On Demand. And uh, digitally, wherever you uh, watch movies, all over the place. Uh, so definitely check that out. Hey, and also, Deborah and I were talking before we uh, started the show way back when. Remember, Deborah, when I said, you good for 20 minutes or so? You were uh, going <laughs> yeah. on an hour and 15. You're fascinating to talk to. But anyway, everybody, we were talking, and Deborah says, hey, if you watch the film, um, leave a review. Wherever you watch it, leave a review. If it's on Amazon or something, leave just and it doesn't have to folks, it doesn't have to be a doctoral thesis. No one's saying that. It doesn't have to be a big challenge or a job uh, or a chore. Just, you know, leave with your thoughts. Put them in there. It helps the algorithm. That's the reality, is um that yeah. will get suggested more. 
um, by the computers that talk to other computers and stuff. And that's the world we live in, you know. Engagement, folks. That's a big term that we all hear behind the scenes, I'm sure. Yeah, and it would be really – and this is a way to support indie film. I mean, this isn't – you mm-hmm. know, we're not big stars that are in this film, but, you know, if if we're, we're on Amazon and iTunes, and on Amazon, you know, we're up against the movies that cost $50 million. So, yeah. you know, this is – this is totally a situation where people can really help support indie film. And, you know, like you said, I mean, people seem to like it. It's, it's, well, it's, my actors are great. The music is great. There's a lot of good elements to it. So I would just love for people to be able to see some really good edgy indie film and, you know, start thinking in terms of how they can support indie film more because there's a lot of great films out there. There's a lot of great indie stuff going on. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we talked, you know, everybody, we know the whole pandemic thing. I don't know how they did it in 1917, folks. I guess they read books or something. But my, again, tip of the hat to all the filmmakers out there. You guys got us through this pandemic. Um, first off, everybody of a certain age I know isn't bugging me how to, how a Roku works. Everybody's kind of figured that out and how to stream. <laughs> it's amazing. And, um, so, and I'm not making light of the pandemic. Don't send me emails. I'm not, it was a terrible thing. I can't, a lot of people got sick and died. I get it. Um, but the, the, the thing is, is it kept us entertained, you know? It kept us entertained. And, uh, you know, we didn't go insane. So that's a good thing. That is a good thing. Yeah, Amazing. it really is fascinating, isn't it? How much, I mean, I think I binged all of Sopranos, all of Breaking Bad again. I mean, we oh, yeah. kept binging things like crazy. It was, and it was great. It was really great that we were able to have that to play with. My wife, it's amazing. She will. I'm like, hey, let's watch this show, and she or let's let's watch this movie, and she's like, oh, it's a three hour movie. I can't handle it. I'm like, what are you talking about? You just binge watch Love Island for 17 episodes in a row. <laughs> you know. <laughs> The sun has come up and went down and come up again, sweetie. You wore the same thing you did yesterday, uh, the same uh, pajamas. Like, yeah, but it's different. It's different. I'm like, I don't know, man. You could have watched the whole extended Lord of the Rings version of that, but no. It's, it's yeah, exactly. Thing, you know. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Well, anyway. Deborah, I am so glad we were able to do this today, and I'm so glad to meet you. You were just cool turned up to 10, you know. If your kids uh-huh. ever disagree with me, say, hey, there's a guy in South Florida that thinks, you know, I'm pretty cool, because you are. Um, oh, thank you. You're so sweet. And I want to tell you, you know this already, but I want to tell you, if you ever have those mornings where it's rough, push that out of your mind. Keep doing what you're doing. You are real, real good at it. You know? Oh, thank you, this, thank you, thank you. I really, I needed to hear that right now. I really did. I'm very, thank you, truly. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I speak the truth. And everybody out there, I want you to check out Sapiosexual. It's a fantastic, fantastic film. We have uh, the Facebook link up, and um, I will be having the, 
why don't we have this? I'm looking at the thing right now. Why isn't the uh, the Amazon and the iTunes link? It will be here in about a minute and a half, everybody. Uh, so you can and remember when we convert this to a podcast, these links that we have that I'm mentioning, these stay active. So if you're listening to this podcast in the future on say uh, Spotify or Pandora, or whatever iTunes, uh, iHeartRadio, thank you for listening. Hello from the past. But do me a favor, click on those links. You know, like and share the Facebook, you know, help get the word out, man. Hey, this film, well, you know, think of all the strange people you know that are really going to enjoy this film. <laughs> I can share that, man. And, and what a great Father's Day gift is all I'm saying. All you need is dad's email, you know, and you can buy it on iTunes and send it on over to him. Trust me, mom's going to love that. When she looks in his email, when he can't figure out how to open it and see sapiosexual, she's going to say, what's that? And after watching the film, he'll say, well, that's someone who's attracted to intelligence. And she'll smile and beam and, you, you, you know, you've injected some, uh, some juice into that marriage. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I can see it happening. No. Oh, man. I have to, well, you know what? I can't ask that because I don't want to give anything away. I have a couple questions I will message you on Instagram <laughs> regarding what happened with, uh, you know, meeting up later in the week. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> did it happen? Did it not? Um, you have I to watch too. <laughs> there we go. The second one. Yes. Yes. And I'm going to send you a painting to put on a wall in there somewhere. So, you know, uh, people can email me those. Very, very cool. And, Deborah, we don't have your website up either. We're going to put that up, too, everybody. It's uh, DebraTwistActress.com. You can see her real, check out her resume, her gallery, all of it. Um, amazing. Amazing. And that very, is very cool. updated. I got to update that, actually, over the summer because I haven't dealt with it in years just because I haven't oh. had time. But yeah. I'll get well, on. You know, you've been busy. Been busy. Uh, yeah. It's hard being a pariah sometimes, you know. It takes up a lot. It fills the day, uh, you know, where people are freaking out and sending this, leaving you nasty voicemails. Oh, my God. When I, you know, it's funny, Deborah. It just it reminds me. When I, uh, I first started, uh, when things hit for me, uh, when I was living in Southern California, um, I started getting hate email. People would take the time out of their day and send me all kinds of mean, nasty shit. And I w- it was depressing. So I never dealt with anything like that before. And I remember talking to my father on the phone, and he said, you sound down. And I'm like, yeah, I'm getting this email, you know. And he's like, well, sounds like you're doing something right. You know, that old thing, chestnut. And but for some reason, it hit me in a weird way. And I said, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to set up a message board where I'm going to post these, and then people can rate them and, like, vote on the best one. <laughs> You know, oh, on my wow. website. <laughs> and so I started doing that. And after a month, people stopped because it was a joke then. You know what I mean? And wow, wasn't getting the reaction that they wanted. But uh, yeah, That's and then funny. I remember somebody accused me one time. They're like, "Well, you're just making those up yourself, right?" I'm like, "No, no, this person legitimately hates me and my work." <laughs> you know, wow. I couldn't come up with this. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah, so I hear you, girl. I hear you. Very, very cool. out of control. And I'm going to go back to calling people gal because 
odds yeah. are saying gals because I got the uh, the go ahead from actress Deborah Twist. Love That's it. right. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> You've empowered me, Deborah. You've empowered me. Oh, oh man. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking time to be on the show and whatnot. Um, I didn't hear one leaf blower once, uh, so that worked out. And um, that's because I was hiding in the car. That? It's good insulation. Oh my God, she's been out there in the car, folks, for like an hour. It's, I hope the air has been on. <laughs> oh yeah, it's really. When I first got in here, it was so hot. It felt like. I mean, I would have passed out by now if I didn't have the car on. <laughs> totally. I would not have made it. <laughs> oh, man. Well, go in and get yourself a drink. Drink of water. Remember, stay hydrated. Yeah. I will have this posted, everybody. Uh, you know, we're going to uh, turn it in, convert it to the podcast. We're going to post it out everywhere, all the social media, all the podcasting platforms. We're on over 750 of them. Yeah, I know, folks. I, I I'm floored by that as well. Not that we're on so many and popular and all that, but that 750 people thought it was a neat idea to have, to make a business out of a podcasting platform. It amazes me. It's the internet. It's crazy. So yeah. cool. <laughs> wow. I don't know. It's, oh, I would have bought the ice cream truck, but that's just me. Anyhow, <laughs> um, you know. good luck with your well, business, with everybody. You. Thank you so much, and I will talk to you again soon. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to talk. And, hey, as soon as uh, – keep me appraised of your, uh, you know, your future projects. I'm looking real forward to that, uh, the, the series, the stripper series. Um, I definitely want to see that. And, Crazy. Um, yeah, and it's got a Facebook page if you want to check it out. I will be adding that right now. Very, very cool. Oh. To keep cool. up to date. Sifo, see? All right. Everybody, we will well, talk to you. you soon. Yeah, thank you. Um, folks, we are, what is today? Today's Thursday. We're back on, um, what are we back? We're back on Tuesday. So we will see you Tuesday. Got a great uh, couple shows lined up uh, next week. And, um, and yes, everybody, I've been getting so many emails. We are going to do a UFO, UAP, paranormal show once a month. I promise. Um, you know, I know we've done a couple over the last couple of years or whatnot, but the last one we did, well, the ratings went through the roof and the advertisers are very happy. So, uh, yeah, we're going to be doing that. Um, there'll, there'll be more of that coming, uh, at least once a month, I promise. And, uh, we'll see you then. So everybody quit sending emails about it. Anyhow, have a great one, everybody. And we'll talk to you next time. This has been pop art painter Jamie Rocks' Pop Rocks Radio Talk Show. It has been executive produced by Jamie Rocks, recorded at his studio in Deerfield Beach in South Florida. All rights reserved by Pop Rocks Limited for broadcast on Blog Talk Radio. Tana Oli, Pop Rocks Radio. Estás escuchando Jamie Rocks de Pop Rocks Radio. Ténganse al tanto. Hey, det här är Hicks från Sverige och ni lyssnar till Pop Rocks Radio med Jamie Rocks. Blog Talk Radio. Hey everybody, Pop Art Painter Jamie Rocks here. This is the VIP 
um, Patreon ad-free version of this podcast. I just finished up with um, actor, she's the writer, director, and star of the new film Sapiosexual. Uh, it's a fantastic, uh, great thriller. Uh, I really like this film. Uh, Deborah Twist, yeah, she's phenomenal. So funny. Oh, my gosh. Uh, we had a ball, and you're going to hear it now ad-free because you're a VIP. So enjoy. Here it is. 